to the Gospel Assembly Bible Study Program. In these radio messages, we look into the practical, exciting truths of God's Word. The Lord reveals Himself through His Word, the Bible. There are blessings in store for anyone who seriously studies the Scriptures. The Church of Jesus Christ is commissioned to preach the Gospel and to teach all nations. This radio message is part of the teaching ministry of Gospel Assembly Church. In this Bible study program, we present exciting messages from God's Holy Word. Our prayer is that you find these radio sessions interesting and beneficial to your spiritual lives. Feel free to follow along in your Bible. Reverend Glenn Goodwin, the pastor of Gospel Assembly Church in Urbandale, Iowa, will be presenting this Bible lesson. At the conclusion of this message, we will give you an address where you can write for a free copy of today's Bible lesson or send in any questions you may have. Let's examine God's Holy Word. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians in the first chapter of his epistle and at the end of verse 27. He spoke of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I guess the question then is, what is that glory? What glory do we hope for? We have Christ in us, and we hope for glory. He also wrote to the Philippians in the third chapter, in the 21st verse, he said that our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. A part of that glory that we hope for is a glorious body. Changing this vile, putrid, aging, weakening body into a glorious body. We're not desiring to just leave this body entirely and be some type of disembodied spirit somewhere. Nobody's trying to be a, a ghost. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What he's saying is if this body dies, God has another body for us that we can have. He said in verse 2, For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. See, no one wants to be without a body, but we want to be clothed with a heavenly body. Verse 4, he said, For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. And that's the hope that we have, desiring a better body. The Apostle also wrote to the church in Rome, in the 8th chapter of Romans, and talked about a glorious liberty that's available to the saints of God. And he was speaking about this, this creation. He called it the creature. He's, he's referring to the entire creation. And he says in verse 21, Because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, 
which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. Our body is going to be redeemed. The apostle also wrote to the church at Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23, he said, I pray that the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What kind of a body are we going to have when this life is over? That was a question that somebody posed to the Apostle Paul, and he answered it in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. Verse 35, But some man will say, How are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Well, I can tell you at least three aspects about the type of body that those are redeemed saints of God are going to have in that morning, in that resurrection. The first is that it is a transformed body. It's a God-given body. It's a spiritual body. Verse 36, Paul said, That which you sow is not quickened, except it die. What he's talking about is planting seeds in the ground. That seed has to die in order to give life. He said, And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body which shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Then later he said in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. He is going to give a different body than the one you lay down. When you put a grain of corn into the ground, you put something that's yellow and hard into the ground. But God gives it a new body, a new life, and it shoots up green as a stalk and a leaf and grows tall. Paul said in verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, but it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And just as Jesus was buried, and he resurrected with a body, it was a better, more powerful, different body, but a body nonetheless. So we shall too when the Lord changes our vile body and makes it like unto his glorious body. Isaiah 26 and verse 19 says, Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall disclose her dead. Jesus was not just a spirit after he resurrected and was glorified. He had a flesh and bone body. How do I know? He said so in Luke 24. In verse 39, Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. After Jesus resurrected from the dead, he had flesh and bones. Oh, I know it's 
was far greater than the flesh and bones that you and I have. Jesus was able to appear and disappear in closed rooms. As the disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, he disappeared from their sight. As they stood on the Mount of Olives, he ascended back to heaven. His body is far greater than mine and yours. It's a different substance, but it has flesh and bone. He said it did here in Luke 24 in verse 39. Job knew that he had a hope of glory. Job said in the 19th chapter of his book that he would see the Lord with his own eyes. Verse 25, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. Consider what Jesus' resurrected body was capable of doing. I mentioned John 20 and verse 19. That's when Jesus passed through solid walls and locked doors and appeared with his disciples. The verse we looked at in Luke 24 and verse 39 says, You can handle me. You can touch me. This body that could pass through solid walls could be touched. In Luke 24 and verse 41, While they believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. His glorified body could eat food, yet it vanished into the heavens. In verse 51, it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. It was a body that could vanish at will. I mentioned earlier in the 24th chapter of Luke, the two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus appeared to them, and they didn't recognize him. And as he explained the scriptures to them, they knew it was Jesus, verse 31. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. What a wonderful body Jesus had. But Jesus is going to come back. He said he would in John 14 and verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He is to return. He's coming back exactly as he left. The angel said in Acts 1 and verse 11, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He is to return exactly as he went. When he comes, he's going to bring his saints with him. Zechariah, the 14th chapter, and the 5th verse. The end of that verse says, The Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. So he is to return exactly as he went, and he is going to bring his saints with him. And 1 John 3 and verse 2 says we'll be like him beloved now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is 
He'll return exactly as he went with his saints, and we shall be like him. We'll have a changed body, a metamorphized body. A metamorphosis will occur to change this vile body and make it like his glorious body. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That that is defective will be healed. What is corrupted will become uncorruptible. What is feeble will become full of power. While your identity will be preserved, your body will be endowed with an entirely new principle of operation. And that's the second aspect of this change, this glory that's going to be revealed in us. The first aspect was a transformed body. The second one is a new principle of operation for a new world. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Then afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthly, but the second man is the Lord from heaven. He continued on and said in verse 49, as we have borne the image of the earthy, and we have, in this body it's an earthly image just like Adam had. He said we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We're going to have a body that's the spitting image of the body of Jesus. Not that it'll look exactly like him, but it'll operate like his body operates. Paul said in verse 50, Brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Corruption does not inherit incorruption, but we're going to inherit something wonderful. Right now, our bodies are dependent upon food and oxygen as sources of energy. We're limited by matter. Some matter is so dense that we cannot go through it. You cannot walk through a brick wall. Yet we can walk through some other matter. You can walk through a pool of water if the water is not too deep. You can walk through fog or smoke. You can walk through air. But when we are changed, we'll have a different source of energy. It won't be food and oxygen. We'll have a source of energy that will free us from the limitations of matter and space. Based on what Jesus said in Luke 24, 32, he said he had flesh and bones. I believe our glorified bodies will have both flesh and bones. But just as the Lord could move freely back and forth between heaven and earth for 40 days after his resurrection, even so those who have glorified bodies, when that glory is revealed in us, they'll do the same. I don't believe they'll shed their bodies to go to heaven and then reclaim their body when they return to earth. What's the purpose in that? Then we'd be unclothed when we go to heaven. And the scripture we read earlier in 2 Corinthians 5, first four verses, say it's undesirable that we be unclothed. But I believe that we will be clothed with a body that has an entirely different principle of operation. Paul again wrote to the church in Colossians and said that he, Jesus, is going to reconcile everything in heaven and in earth. There will be a harmony between the earthly creation and the heavenly creation. In verse 20, speaking of Jesus said, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him 
to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. There's a separation today between the angelic host and those of us who live on the earth. Most of us have not ever seen angels. There's not a free communion and communication between the heavenly and the earthly. But Jesus came to reconcile the earth and the heavens into harmony. And he is going to give us a body that's capable of even going into the heavens. And it'll be a youthful body, one that has no aging factors. That's the promise of Psalm 110 in verse 3. From the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. When you wake up in that morning, that dawning of a morning without clouds, on the resurrection morning when all the saints of God shall rise, I'll have a new body, praise the Lord. I'll have a new life, according to the words of the gospel song. That body will have no aging factors. It will have the dew of your youth, a youthful body, strong like a 19 or 20, 21-year-old, but even stronger than that. You'll be able to run and not be weary. You'll be able to walk and not faint, according to the prophecy in Isaiah. It will be a body that has no perception of pain. Revelation 21 and verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. There will also be no more sickness, no more suffering in this body that has a new principle of operation in it. Isaiah, the 33rd chapter, and verse 24. And the inhabitants shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. The entire creation will be populated by beautiful people. They will be individuals with their own personality, but there will be no physical deformities. There will be no scars, no ravages of age, no sickness, none of this. So the second aspect of this glory that's going to be revealed in us is a new principle of operation for a new world. The first aspect was a body that was transformed to be like unto his glorious body. And the third aspect that I can tell you of this glory is that it will be an instant and a permanent change. I'm not talking about the difference between a caterpillar and a butterfly. That caterpillar has to go into cocoon and spend weeks or even months in the cocoon. And if you could look in there, you would see a slow process of that caterpillar slowly changing and losing all those legs and body segments and starting to grow wings, and, and it's a gradual process. That's not the glory that's going to be revealed in us, but it's going to be instantaneous. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. The apostle said in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, I love that 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, it tells us about the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And he shows us in verse 51 that it's going to be an instantaneous act. We shall not 
all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. How long does it take for the light to reflect off an eye, to cause an eye to twinkle? It's almost instantaneous. And when the Lord himself descends from heaven with a shout, Paul told the church in Thessalonica about this in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That will be a tremendous, tremendous change. But it will be a permanent change. It will give us bodies that are fitted for life on a much higher plane. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 52, The trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. We may be mortal now, subject to dying, but the change will grant immortality no more subject to the ravages of time and death. We'll be forever with the Lord. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 17, I was quoting it a moment ago, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. This change will be permanent because the energy source will be inexhaustible. And that's what it means when this corruptible puts on incorruption and this mortal puts on immortality. The Lord's going to give us a power source that never is exhausted. In this world that we live in today, with its heartache and its suffering and its disappointments and its loneliness and its bitterness and the evil and the sin that ravages this world, death is a certainty. Everyone alive today has the certain knowledge that someday death will overtake them. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. But in that world, in the world to come, in that day, the day of the Lord, when he makes all things new, when he creates a new heaven and a new earth, death will not be a certainty in that day. No, death will be an impossibility. Again, Revelation 21, verse 4, there shall be no more death. The Lord prophesied through Hosea in the 13th chapter of Hosea's prophecy in verse 14. He said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Jesus is going to raise his people from the dead, and he's going to reveal glory in them. That's why God's people have taken comfort for years in the prophecy in Isaiah, the 26th chapter, where he prophesied about the people going ahead and entering into the tomb, going ahead and entering into the casket, being laid away to wait until the Lord calls them forth again. Verse 20 of Isaiah 26. Come, my people, 
Enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For, behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. See, those who are laid away, buried, some even in unmarked graves, they're going to be uncovered. They'll be disclosed. Job said, Thou shalt call, and I will answer thee. Someone's going to hear the voice of the Lord when he descends from heaven with that shout and with that voice of the archangel. Job said in chapter 23 and verse 10, He knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. And death is going to be no more in that coming kingdom. There's a promise in the book of Revelation, the 24th chapter, about death and hell. And hell is just another term for the grave in this, this verse. Revelation 20 and verse 14. It said, Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And the Lord's going to cast death into a lake of fire so that it is no more. And there's a prophecy in the book of Nahum, the little prophet Nahum. The first chapter in verse 9 Speaking of the Lord, it says, He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. That means that death and all of the effects of sin, all of the curse that was imposed in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve fell, that will never rise up again. It will be world without end. Paul said, So shall we ever be with the Lord. Isaiah prophesied of that day when those redeemed of the Lord return and come with singing unto Zion and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They'll receive gladness and joy. Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 3 says the Lord shall comfort Zion and comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving, and the voice of melody. Verse 11, Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return, and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall all flee away. It will never rise again. Affliction shall not rise again the second time. This is why we rejoice. This is why we serve God now. This is why we live for the Lord. Because the sufferings of this present time, Paul said, are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. That glory will be a transformed body with a new principle of operation for a new world with an instant and a permanent change. It will be worth it all. Keep serving We hope you have enjoyed this interesting and practical lesson from the Word of God. Christians today need to understand 
Weber. 